Hello, friends. Welcome to the fifth season of the Scripture Study Project. I can't tell you how excited we are to study the Old Testament with you. This week, we're beginning that study with Moses chapter 1 and Abraham chapter 3. I came across an article this week that said one of the most searched for questions of 2021 was, Who am I? In our study this week, we're looking at two great prophets who had two great visions focused on two great questions. Who is the Lord and who am I? Welcome to the Scripture Study Project. We are your hosts, Krista and Zach Horton, and this is our podcast where we study Scripture with you. Our goal each week is to help you discover new or renewed excitement for God and His Word, invest your heart and personal life into your study, and connect with others as you teach and learn together. Hey, welcome back and Happy New Year. We hope that you had a great 2021 and happy holidays. Um, We are back again this year studying with you in the Old Testament and we are very excited to get back at it. And I think we've got some fun changes, new things, um, just some new ideas with the podcast that we're excited to share with you this year um, and excited about the Old Testament study. I think we've been really looking forward to this year kind of since the podcast started and ever since Come Come Follow Me four years ago kind of shifted our um, order of what we thought we were going to do for the podcast. Um, And I think Zach and I are both excited for different reasons. Zach, I think you're excited because, well, I think he just has a deep love for the Old Testament and really just loves the stories and obviously has a lot more experience with it than I do. It's such a human book. I like the I like the people. I like that they're they're it's the same reason I love the Book of Mormon. It's real people living real lives touched by God, mm-hmm. and that, and that's really compelling to me. And I would say for me, I kind of feel like I'm opening up this new discovery. I, I'm i excited to study the Old Testament this year in a way that I never really have. I have, honestly, I am a total novice at the Old Testament. I So if you are feeling any sort of trepidation about all of this big book that um, we're going to be studying this year, just know that I'm with you on that. I, I think that that's kind of exciting. I mean, I'm like you probably... Actually, I probably know less than you, actually. I know a lot of the Bible stories and a lot of the the well-known things, but as far as a really deep study that I plan to do this year, um, I've never really had. So I hope that if you have any sort of worry or concern about what the study is going to look like here, I hope that you know you're not alone in that and that I think we're going to make it really awesome. So... And we're excited this year. If you're new to the podcast, then we're excited to welcome you to to our study. Um, We mentioned this in our introduction, but we have three main focuses in our our podcast. The first one, we really want to help you discover your own insights in the scriptures. I know there's a lot of resources out there, podcasts and other resources that provide you insights, provide you cool connections and things like that. And and of course, we'll do some of that here too. But our goal is really to help you uh, have your own powerful moments. We always say if you walk away from an episode and the most insightful thing you got came from something we said, then we made a mistake. Because we really want the most insightful things that happen in your study to come from what you find and what the Lord tells you as you read. The second thing we want to do is help you invest your heart and your personal life into your study. 
scriptures come alive when they're about you, not just about the people that lived thousands of years ago. When you can read yourself into the story and experience what's happening there, then they come alive in a brand new way. And then the third thing we want to do is help you connect to other people as you learn with them. And maybe you're a Sunday school teacher or a seminary teacher or a parent um, or a sibling, and you want to either uh, have more ideas on how to teach the Old Testament or you want to have better discussions with your family. We want to provide you some questions, some methods, some ideas that really enrich those group study experiences. And if you've been with us from the beginning, our first year or two of the podcast, we offered those type of study or teaching tips. And so in some ways, we're kind of coming back full circle because we thought a lot of those that connect is what we really hope to do is help you to exactly what Zach said, just make this a more um, maybe easy thing to talk about and something that you can share with others. Yeah. So with all of that excited talk about the Old Testament, forgive me for starting in the Book of Mormon. Um, I've always loved uh, two questions that I have found repeated in Scripture. In Mosiah chapter 11, Abinadi is uh, with King Noah's people. He's called out their sins and called them to repentance. And Noah, King Noah, asks these two questions about Abinadi. This is verse 27. When King Noah had heard of the words which Abinadi had spoken unto the people, he was also wroth, and he said, Who is Abinadi, that I and my people should be judged of him? Or, Who is the Lord, that shall bring upon my people such great affliction? A couple of years, and one book later, Alma is preaching to the people in Ammonihah, He likewise is uh, calling them to repentance, and they likewise ask him the exact same questions. This is Alma chapter 9, verse 2. Who art thou? And then in verse 6, who is God? I came across a quote earlier this week from St. Francis of Assisi, who is the uh, saint after whom uh, Pope Francis uh, named himself. And it was just a simple prayer that's attributed to him, And the prayer is, who are you, Lord, and who am I? The reason why I like those two questions is because I think they are not just a good way to study Moses chapter 1 and Abraham 3, which we will do. I think they are the latitude and longitude of our entire, or can be, of our entire study of the Old Testament. These two questions, who is the Lord and who am I? I think were were governing questions of those that wrote these accounts. So as we study the Old Testament, and specifically as we study in this episode, we're going to ask those two questions. Question one, who is the Lord? What do we learn about him, his personality, his character? It's really easy in the Old Testament, just like it is in the Book of Mormon, to get sidetracked is maybe the wrong word, but to get overly focused on the characters, the heroes, the people in the story. And and that's not bad. We love Moses and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Rachel and Leah and Ruth. And we love all of these great heroes. But if we get too focused on them, we forget that the purpose of this account isn't to tell us about Moses 
It's actually to tell us about God. And if we look close enough, we can learn about him, his personality and his character, his attributes. And so in this episode and throughout this season, we're going to ask that question. What do we learn about God, about who he is and what he's like? The second question about who am I um, is, is the question that almost every single person asks in the Old Testament when they first meet the Lord or when he comes to them. Moses asks it. Abraham asks it. Uh, David asks it. They all ask this this kind of humble question. They all come from backgrounds where you wouldn't expect a hero to come from. They're not, I said this earlier, they're not the Avengers. They don't have superpowers. These are real people. They come from real lives. A lot of them come from uh, kind of broken or hard lives. And when the Lord speaks to them, their first question is, who am I that you would talk to me or that you would call me? And what's fascinating is every time they ask that question, the Lord tells them, not just who they are, but where they fit in his plan. And it's a great study for us as we read about them to put ourselves in the story, to put ourselves in Moses' shoes or to put ourselves in Ruth's shoes and to ask, who am I and what work does the Lord have for me? What would he tell me about myself and what he wants me to do? Ooh, doesn't that just make you excited? I mean, it really is just cool to think all of these stories that we get to discover together this year. I I think for me, I'm just, yeah, I'm excited. Um, it's fun to think that we have these stories recorded through history. And again, they're scripture and they're people and they're messy and they're going to be some crazy stories that we read along in the Old Testament. But that idea that that humanness comes through these people, that the ultimate thing that they want to know is who God is and who they are and what God thinks about them. I think we can, we share that with them. Um, so the first thing, as we talked about this question of who is, who are you God, or what do I learn about God? I think that's kind of the, um, spin that I took as I went into my study this week. And the first thing actually that I came upon was something that I love. And it's just that very first first verse in Moses one that you'll read where it talks about where Moses was. It says he was caught up into an exceedingly high mountain. And I thought, Ooh, I love that. I love that idea that God is in high places. We talk about the temple being one of those places that he's at and that we can go to him. I think last year we talked about that a lot with Joseph Smith's first vision and him going into a sacred grove or a a place that was sacred to him that became the sacred grove. And I love that idea. I love that we get to go to holy places that are quiet and peaceful. Um, And then I also couldn't help but notice um, this maybe almost contrasting um, thought that I read in Abraham 3. And it starts in verse 21. It's the Lord talking and he tells them, I dwell in the midst of them all. And I thought, what a what a kind of a compelling um, thought that who is God is he is in those holy places for us. But I also think that he dwells among amidst us. And I think we're going to see those stories, those things really um, happening as we see the stories of the people in the Old Testament. Um, I'm I'm getting like a little bit of a. Um, one of those good feelings in my heart right now as I talk about it, just thinking that 
God is amidst among amidst and among us that he is in those places we can find him and that the way that he dealt with people long ago um, is the same opportunity and way that he deals with us today. And I don't know exactly how, Zach, I think you're going to share something, but I just was thinking how interesting it is that, um, how do you explain that? He's in both places and he's with us. Well, it, it makes me think that maybe the reason why the Lord calls Moses up the mountain um, or calls prophets into the wilderness isn't so that they can come to where he is. It's so that they can get to a place where they can be present with him. Um, Down at the base of the mountain, Moses is surrounded by all of the Israelites and all of their cares and their worries and their stresses and their struggles. And I don't think that uh, the call of the mountain is because God can only be found on top of mountains, but maybe it's the only place where Moses could separate himself from the cares of everything that's going on enough to listen to what God would say to him. And so that's a compelling thought to me that God's everywhere, but it's it's uh, maybe incumbent upon me to find time and find space where I can be on the mountain, so to speak, to connect with him or to hear what he would say to me. Mm-hmm. I love that. I I think that's maybe our um, mission <laughs> maybe is to, as we try and discover this question of who is God, um, maybe we're hiking up a mountain to get to him. Maybe we're taking a long journey to get to a temple or to a wilderness. Um, or maybe we're doing our very best to just tune in to his voice. And that's, I think, part of in a busy world that we live. I think that's a huge push to why we're feeling so much of this mindfulness and meditation because we need to find him. Um, but remember that he's all around. So if we tune into him, he really is there. And I think it's exciting to think that we get to learn all these stories of people doing that this year. The second phrases or verses that stood out to me in both of these chapters or sections was just this description of what Abraham and Moses were able to see that God was showing them. Um, It's descriptions of the heavens being many in verse 37 of Moses, Um, endless in verse 3, the endless and without beginning or end. And then the numbers as great as sand. We always hear that that is, I have created things and I've created people more than the numbers of the sand, which always just like blows my mind. Because then you go to one beach and you're just like, ah, that's so much sand. But, (laughs) and then in Abraham, um, I love this part where he said, and I saw those things which his hands had made, which were many, and they multiplied before mine eyes, and I could not see the end thereof. Um... I like the idea of this vast and endless God. I I think there's a reason for it too, that we tend to want to understand God. And here we are asking that question of who is God and we want to understand and maybe, but maybe I think in that we might minimize his power and who he really is. At least I've felt that maybe I've done that um, in trying to comprehend in my human brain who, who God really is. I think this year, one of the things that I'm really excited about with, um, because of these two sections that we've read this week is I really want to embrace that vastness and that greatness that God is and really lean into the fact that he is the Lord and he 
is all of these great things. And just like Abraham, he could not see the end thereof. I'm going to be okay with that, with that vastness. And for me, that feels really good this year to accept that. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I found in my study, I I found something really similar in in that Abraham three, um, early on when I would read Abraham three, I'd kind of skip over the whole Kolob and Kokobium and the giant astronomy lesson until I realized that this is the Lord doing what he always does when he teaches people. He does it in the New Testament thousands of times, uh, and he does it in the Old Testament, where he uses an object, something that someone understands, to teach a greater lesson. Abraham, from his background, is probably interested in and probably versed in astronomy. And so the Lord uses astronomy to teach him this principle of how great he is. And he moves from planet to planet. You know, Abraham, the planet you're standing on has this much light and reckons time like this. But there is a planet or a star that's greater and has more light. And the reckoning of time on that planet is longer. And I don't know anything about you know, interstellar astrophysics, but I've read enough science fiction to know that uh, that time is not always the same everywhere. You're practically an expert. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's it's interesting that the Lord graduates Abraham's understanding. What you understand is this, Abraham, but there's something greater than what you experience. And there's something greater than that. And there's something greater than that. And eventually you get to Kolob, or you get to this place where you're looking at something that it's light and it's reckoning of time is like God. It's filled with light and it's time is endless and eternal. And it's, I think, fascinating that the Lord instructs Abraham that way, that he grows his understanding and helps him to see just how great and how vast and how endless God is, even though Abraham can't comprehend it. Moses can't comprehend it. That great line in Moses 1, when after Moses sees even a glimpse of God's glory, he collapses to the earth for hours and then says, because of this, I know that man is nothing, which thing I had never before supposed. It's not that his estimation of man has decreased, it's that his understanding of God's greatness has completely exploded. And to your point, We can, if we're not careful, in our rush to quote-unquote know God or bear testimony of what we know about God, minimize him to someone that is completely knowable and completely understandable with a mortal mind, and he just isn't. And that to me is uh, mind-blowing, but also really comforting to know that this God that we love and that is speaking to us and working to us sees so much more than I can even comprehend, which then makes it all the more interesting that he turns his eternal perspective on his individual children and gives them assignments, gives them work to do. I love the very beginning of Moses. The first thing that God does is tell Moses who he is, shows him his glory, and lets him know the work that he has been about and is about. But then, without going too far, in verse 6, he says, I have a work for thee, Moses, my son. Thou art in the similitude of mine only begotten. And my only begotten is and shall be the Savior, for he is full of grace and truth. Um, 
Of course, that truth that Moses is a son of God is the very truth that Satan attacks when he comes. Verse 12, Moses, son of man, worship me. Moses detects the the temptation or the deception to belittle his divine identity, doesn't fall for it, fights back. Satan trembles when Moses uh, is able to grasp and boldly declare his divine lineage. But what uh, was fascinating to me as I read this time is not just Moses's identity, but his understanding of where he fits in this work that the eternal and vast God is doing. Back in verse 6, when the Lord, when God says to him, you are after the similitude of my only begotten, who is a savior. Then in verse 26, and lo, I am with thee to Moses, even unto the end of thy days, for thou shalt deliver my people from bondage, even Israel, my chosen. It's um, powerful to me that God gives Moses his identity and also his work, and that his work is so similar to the work of the Savior, that he's to model his earthly ministry after the eternal ministry of the Savior, that he is to play a part in delivering and saving people. Of course, not to the the eternal degree that Jesus did, but to save people, to bring people. And it makes me think, I wonder if that's my and your uh, work as well to save people. And if it is, what a powerful identity and work to have. Well, I love thinking about that, that um, God has a work for each one of us. And I think that that is definitely something to learn about ourselves is not only to recognize that he has a work for us, but to come to know what the work is that he has for us. Um, I think that something that stood out to me was the, um, as I mentioned before, that vastness and greatness that we learned about God. And then in, in Moses, verse 10, Moses realizes, he says, Moses did again receive his natural strength like unto man, and he said unto himself, Now for this cause I know that man is nothing, which thing I had never supposed. And so we learn about that kind of that um, that greatness and that vastness that we talked about before that's God. And then here Moses is realizing, oh, I'm just, I'm just nothing. And if we take from what Abraham learned about the sands, um, we're, we're one of the grains of sand of many. Um, but then down here a little bit further in Moses, this is chapter one, verse 25. He talks about that. I'll just read the verse and calling upon the name of God, he beheld his glory again, for it was upon him. And he heard a voice saying, blessed art thou Moses, for I, the almighty have chosen thee and thou shalt be made stronger than many waters for they shall obey thy command as if thou wert God. And so here he is showing us this power that we can have, that we will be able to be made stronger than many waters. We see the encounter between Moses and Satan, that Moses has the power to overcome Satan. And I think that that just shows us that what do we learn about ourselves? That God can make us strong and great, that we are strong and great. And I can't help but notice the paradox in that, right? That we see this vastness and greatness that God is. And then 
here I am, that little grain of sand. <laughs> so I am nothing, yet I am everything. Because God has chosen me, he can make me stronger, he can make me do things. And so what do I learn about myself, honestly, is that um, God is going to give me that power that um, I can become stronger. And through recognizing that humility, that nothingness, um, we can be a part of that vastness and that greatness of God. I think I felt that experience, especially over the last few years of just maybe it's maturing, maybe it's in part because we moved to a, a new part of the country and um, just seeing how big the world is and seeing how um, how great and vast God's creations are and how many people and how many wonderful, beautiful people and places there are. Um, I think maybe it's given me a little bit of that Moses feeling of like, I am nothing. <laughs> Yet I do feel that, um, just like I said before, yet we're everything to God. He wants us to um, talk to him. He cares about us, which I think for me just adds to that vastness and greatness. Because I think, how does he keep track of all of these things? Because when it comes down to it, I can't even comprehend that, which let's face it, I just have a brain that can't comprehend things, which is also comforting. God can comprehend all those things. And I love thinking about um, that he has so much to care about and he cares about me too. And I think that's, for me, has been a huge answer to both of these questions, I think. So what do you do with all of that if you want to connect with other people as you learn together or as you're teaching Sunday school class or seminary class to help them connect to uh, to these two great questions and, and most importantly, connect to God in their study. Well, one idea might be helpful this week. It is really tempting and easy to take a kind of group sightseeing model as we study the Old Testament. There's a lot to see and a lot to talk about. Uh, and if we're not careful, we can turn a classroom experience into read a couple of verses, talk about the verses and what we like about the verses. Read a couple of other verses, talk about the verses, and what we like about the verses. And that's not bad, but our overemphasis on what do you see and discussing what we see might underemphasize the power there is in a personal experience, a personal study. And so you might do something like this this week. As you're uh, approaching this block of scripture, you might just let people wrestle with the two great questions that we mentioned uh, at the beginning of this episode and give them some time to study those questions on their own. For example, you might ask them, what do you see in the character or the personality or the nature of God that most excites you? As he talks to Moses, as he talks to Abraham, what do you see in him that resonates with you, that you really like? Second question, what work do you sense he has for you to do? And what instructions might he give you? Now, those two questions are powerful. They're going to take some time for people to study and to wrestle with. And they might not lead to uh, the most robust discussion, but they do have the potential to lead to some personal and powerful revelation about 
who God is and what work he has for each of us to do. So you might try that this week. And as you study throughout the Old Testament, maybe take a step back uh, from uh, discussion and from sightseeing and take a bold step towards some uh, personal time for people to ponder. Thank you so much for studying with us this episode. Thank you for joining us this, uh, this year, this upcoming year in our study of the Old Testament. We are excited to study with you, and we will see you next week.